Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Fowler Hour. Today's show is with Darian Rosebrook, a brand identity and user experience designer, and he's also the founder of the design community, Compass of Design. Now, before we get started, a quick word from those who support this podcast. And today, that is Skillshare, Design Cuts, and Logo Core. If you'd like to upgrade your design skills, taking them, taking them, taking them to the next level, and get two free months of Skillshare's awesome learning platform, you can go to skl.sh slash cfowlerdesign for your two free months. Again, that's skl.sh slash cfowlerdesign and get two free months of learning whatever you'd like. Maybe not just design, maybe you want to learn how to carve spoons out of wood, who knows, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do it for, it's there. We're also brought to you by Design Cuts, and you can upgrade your font library, design assets, and textures with their awesome store. You can check out their latest bundle that could potentially save you thousands of dollars. It saved me thousands of dollars on typefaces alone over the last year by going to cfowler.design, and that will take you directly to their latest bundle. I'm updating it every week to make sure we're at the top uh, of the game on that one and you can keep getting awesome typefaces like Futura and Sarah and Baskerville when they come out. It's a really awesome resource and I don't know where I'd be without it um, in in 2019. So, and finally, we're brought to you in part by Logo Core. Logo Core has a best-selling logo design masterclass. So if you're interested in kickstarting your career and taking yourself from a logo zero maybe to a logo hero, animation, creation, client work, understanding the Adobe Illustrator in general, you can go to bit.ly slash logo dash design dash courses. Again, that link is a bit longer. So it's bit.ly slash logo dash design dash courses. All of those links are down in the description in the show notes of today's show. Let's get right into it. Hi, Darian. Welcome to the Fowler Hour. How are you today, mate? I'm very good. And yourself? Yeah, we're doing. I'm doing pretty good today. As you can see from the, for the audio listeners at home, I've I've had to put up a massive blackout curtain because it's still daytime here, and I have awful lighting. So I'm feeling a bit like I'm in a cave right now. But Darian's looking the nice one of the two for today. So yeah. you just get to watch him on the video instead. Um, <laughs> so I, I brought. I've asked Darren to come on the show because he runs a community called Compass of Design. So we're going to get into that today and a bit about the benefits of having a community, um, how it was founded, where you're taking it in the future, and how it compares to, say, social media. But before we get there, to kind of explain to my listeners and to explain who you are, what you do, would you mind just taking a moment and letting us know where you're from, uh, what you what you're up to at the moment? Yeah. So. Uh, my name is Darian Rosebrook. I'm a brand identity designer. Um, I'm from the Seattle area, kind of across the pond from Connor, so to speak. So uh, it's early morning for me here trying to just, uh, you know, to get, get my work done, uh, try to get a productive morning going. So <clears throat> I'm a brand identity designer, uh, which... Uh, kind of encompasses logo design, brand packaging, um, the UI and user experience design of digital products, and encompasses that all into it, uh, total experience design for the brand. Yeah. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Um, thank you for explaining <clears throat> that. So you've kind of, well, you've obviously explored a bit further into the identity portion of design and the user experience side than I do typically. So when you first started out, is that where you envisioned you were going to head? Was it always branding and logos and, and user experience? Or did you start somewhere else and it's kind of worked its way into your life? Yeah. So I, I started design back in 2015. I was trying to find something that I could do because uh, my, my history is uh, being a banker. So oh, okay. I, I was a banker for uh, about five years. And then I started to really lose my love for that uh, after it was figuring out all the internal politics and everything. So um, I finally started trying to figure out what I could do outside of that uh, to try to get some extra revenue coming in. And I was like, why don't I learn web design? So I didn't start out as a brand identity designer. 
I actually started out learning how to code and uh, learning how to design websites and stuff. But the amount of time investment that took was a lot longer than I needed in order to efficiently put stuff out. So I figured because I am learning design and I really love making the logos for the mock-ups that I'm doing, maybe I just do logo design for clients while I still teach myself how to build websites and stuff. And so branding and logo design kind of came as an offshoot of that. It sounds, um, it's, it's really, that's really interesting to hear because it sounds to me like you've, you found obviously you've got your main goal your overarching thing of learning web design but along the way you've gone well actually we also need this we also kind of need to be applying different things to the web design to make a complete package which is mm -hmm. which is kind of similar to the background story that i have where it was kind of fit a need learn the skill go from there and so when you started to learn how to do all these different skills, when did you feel comfortable putting this all together? And obviously saying doing logos for clients well before websites, how long did it take you to feel you had the, the skills to transition in any way to labeling yourself as some kind of designer in a more of a full-fledged way? Um, so I, I've I kind, of, kind of butting into our topic on community, um, I, I've always been listening to uh, influencing speakers and stuff. Uh, I know you and I know about uh, Sean Wes, yeah. the, the brand. Uh, Sean McCabe from Sean Wes had been uh, talking because I was a part of his community for a good portion. <clears throat> um, so, you he joined, mentioned to, so you joined the Sean West community when you were still a banker or was it very early days when you were learning? It, web? it was very early days when I was learning web design. Right. Okay. So, awesome. So I, I joined up and uh, he had mentioned that I need to focus on selectively projecting myself as one kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I decided to selectively project myself as a brand identity designer. Um, even before I had designed anything past a logo, uh, just because I knew that with my determination, I'd be able to really learn how to do that on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, a lot of what I know how to do, I learned how to do out of necessity. Mm -hmm. But I, I figured <clears throat> I'd position myself as somebody who knows about logo design and brand identity before I had even started taking on the clients. So would you have said you were a creative person before you started doing this? Because uh, you're saying that you did it kind of out of necessity. Obviously, web design was the passion side and you did the others out of necessity. But where did that transition come from, from being quite an analytical banker type person? Was it just a, we, I took that job on because it was good money, it was a good fit at the time? <laughs> what was, where was your creative spark from, Darian? So uh, I've done creative stuff uh, all throughout my high school days. Right. But uh, I, I like took art classes. It kind of felt natural to me, yeah. but when I was looking at colleges to go to, um, I had two options. I could either figure out what a portfolio was and send it off to a, um, <laughs> I still don't know what one is. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I was at a, uh, I was at a um, job fair at my high school when we were trying to figure out what colleges we wanted to go to. Mm. I saw an uh, art college uh, here in the Seattle area called Cornish College of the Arts. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. But the cost to get in was enormous. Yeah. <clears throat> they required a portfolio, which I didn't have. I didn't know what yep. a portfolio was. And so I was like, do you know what? I'll just go into uh, business and finance instead. So I went to college for, quite a for that. That's like quite yeah. a shift. And, and my parents were pushing me to do something that I could make a lot of money in and have access to move up. So I'm like banking. There's yep. always opportunities for banking. Um, I hated the job. I, 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 I love people. I love connecting and talking to people. So yeah. that was an easy way for me to meet all sorts of people because yeah, I bet you everybody do all from all sorts of people, don't you? Yeah. Everybody from all walks <laughs> of life has to use a bank at some point. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was a good way for me to meet people, 
but I absolutely hated doing the work. I, I felt right. like I had no room creatively to do that. So when I was looking for things to do, um, I had figured, well, I love being creative and coming up with solutions to things. Um, I have a good eye for artistic things. If I combine my knowledge of business, my knowledge of finances and creative um, pursuit, then design seems like the best thing for me to get into. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And especially when having the ability <clears throat> to communicate with people, as you say, if that's something that you'd really enjoyed, it seems like a bit of a waste to be sat in a job the way you're not being able to express that fully especially when i assume if you if you didn't enjoy the job of banking but enjoyed the people even though the communication was nice the fact that you had to talk about something that you weren't particularly passionate about didn't make the day-to-day -day any easier no it definitely did not and my i had to be there at like 8 15 in the morning and i had to be there until five o'clock six o'clock in the evening and i felt like i could be doing something so much more influential outside of that that's really interesting and <laughs> so kind of to give you some context more about me and and what i did before being a designer i was i worked in a supermarket for a year and a half kind of figuring out what i wanted to do feeling kind of the same way that you did where you turn up at the same time every day you go and do the same shift it's always the same regulars it's always the same problems that come up time and time again because no one properly <clears throat> them, and you just feel like you have an urge to escape. Is that how yeah. kind of how you felt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when it came to, obviously you went to the Sean West community. So why don't we kind of talk about, uh, I'd love to hear more about the journey that you went through going through the Sean West community. Cause I've spoken to you about his community in the past and you've highly praised it. Um, and I listen to his podcast very regularly and it's something that I would love to get him to, to know okay. about. So when you joined the Sean West community, um, maybe not specifically about that community itself, but just the general yeah. feeling of being surrounded by other people. <clears throat> How do you feel that that community benefited you? So uh, uh, I'll, I'll talk about community in a little bit broader sense of term because Sean West, uh, that community came a couple communities after. <clears throat> oh, okay. So, so you've been on a quite a journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... So part of my reason reasoning for um, being so into being around a community of people who are doing something as similar as you are is mindset. Um, there, um, w when I first started out, uh, I was obviously doing web design. Um, so I was looking up tutorials online through YouTube and I came across a channel called Dev Tips, which still exist, but not under the same creator. Um, <clears throat> I noticed that the same people were commenting on the videos. The same people were talking about uh, the community that DevTips had. And so it was, a, it, it was some type of Patreon-supported community. So I was like, okay, I've learned a lot from this. Why don't I join their community and see what's going on in there? Well, I, I learned very quickly that being around people who are doing the same things or have the same goals that you do to get better in a certain skill set um, not only challenges you to continue growing and learning, but you also get to learn and ask questions from people who are possibly having the same struggle as you are or have already learned how to get past that. So by being in those types of communities, um, it's essentially everybody's getting better by, uh, I almost call it design by committee, because <laughs> uh, you're able to bounce feedback off of each other so quickly that you kind of shorten the amount of time that it takes you to learn something. So when it comes down to one of those big benefits of community, you say, so we've got mindset, efficiency, and effectiveness. So you've got, you're being kind of, maybe not bombarded, but you're surrounded by this idea of everyone's trying to achieve the same thing, or at least trying to help each other. Then you've mm -hmm. got um, 
The second one of being more efficient, as you say, design by committee has some really bad connotations when maybe we're talking about client work. But when it comes to discussions between like-minded individuals in terms of um, design or creative passions, as you say, you can get stuff done so much quicker. And then by doing it quicker and learning from these people, you're going to get a better result. So do you find that the longer you are in these communities, the more you are interacting and networking and communicating with these people, the better that you got. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If I was still trying to do all of this solely by myself, um, I probably would have gotten to where I am skill set wise a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, granted, I work at a very fast pace at learning something, and I leverage the knowledge of other people a lot. <clears throat> so I, I feel like. Um, Without these people in these communities uh, being able to ask questions, I definitely would be a lot more behind now than I am uh, having been in those communities. Okay, so when it comes to mindset people listening at home, it's probably 50% of the work effort and the learning ability that you have. So get yourself, surround yourself with the other people who are like-minded, <clears throat> as Darian says, people who can... You can give something to them. You can then leverage their information and their skill set in return. And that's going to really benefit you when it comes to, as you say, accelerating your career, learning that new skill yeah. and really making a difference to your, your, just your effectiveness, your, your ability in general. Yeah. And so you, you talked about uh, benefiting yourself through this, but I, I'd argue that it actually benefits both parties because um, if you're helping someone through a problem, you uh, so say uh, you and I Connor end up in the same community. We're talking to each other, and you come to me with a struggle. Obviously, if I have knowledge that I can share, I can share that uh, to you and help you overcome a specific obstacle that you're doing. But in order for me to do that, I have to figure out all the knowledge that I have and distill that in a way that uh, can be specifically targeted to your problem. But uh, you come out with a solution. I come out with a lot more clarity about what I know and know how to teach. So both parties through uh, community actually benefit out of these uh, interactions because uh, both parties are getting better at what they do. Yeah. So by it's actually one of the things that I've Chris Doe has told me about multiple times is you need to just start teaching people what you do. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is, whether it's business related or whether it is just um, skill based or design based or anything like that. As you say, if you can distill it down in your mind and provide the clarity for yourself, you then provide clarity to someone else. And then it, it's that cycle. It feeds itself, doesn't it? It just becomes, yeah. it becomes second nature. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So, um, Every community that I've been a part of, uh, these, uh, these leaders of the community all started out by teaching what they know. Um, with dev tips, uh, it was the YouTube videos. He started making videos about how, what he's doing to create his designs and stuff, and eventually blew up to a point where um, people were commenting all the time um, and starting to gather people who are interested in that knowledge. Uh, the other community that I uh, joined was one based off of marketing, which is uh, Mega Maker. I don't know if you've heard of Justin Jackson and the stuff he's doing with marketing. Okay, he's got a community called Mega Maker. He started teaching about uh, product knowledge and uh, product market fit, which was great for me because uh, I was trying to sell uh, design assets and stuff. So for me to figure out how to market myself effectively, that was great. Um, through that, he started teaching and uh, growing an audience around that. And eventually uh, that brought itself into a community of people who are interested in what he's teaching and uh, learning more about that. <clears throat> Sean West. Obviously, he's got a podcast where he's been teaching for a long time. A uh, community of people uh, start building an audience around it, build a community, and uh, eventually people who are all interested 
in Sean Wes's uh, creative business knowledge um, starts to wrap itself in a community. I started um, teaching what I know as a designer. And <clears throat> it wasn't anything more than uh, challenges, because uh, I'm so early in, I've only been designing for about three years now, uh, just over, th over three, so like three and a half. Um, <clears throat> my knowledge is I teach what I've just learned, uh, which even if I'm where I'm at, there's still a few people behind me who could benefit from that knowledge. So I started putting out a weekly newsletter. Um, through that newsletter, people started uh, gathering. It got to about three or 400 people. And then people were like, so who else is on this newsletter? Like, what are some of the struggles that these people are dealing with? And then uh, I started connecting with these people one-on-one, -on -one, and it started to take up a lot of my time. Um, I, I'm sure you, you know with trying to answer uh, questions that you get through whatever you post, like if you're posting um, Instagram photos, uh, you end up with lots of comments, and then you spend a lot of time answering those comments and questions. I figured it would be better to just wrap everybody up in the same community, and that way we could all connect and talk about the same things together. It sounds so much like a natural progression as well. Yeah. From what you've said, you've gone, it's not just the way <clears throat> that, you've obviously provided some kind of valuable content which is always mm -hmm. the, the, the key focus you try to, as you say, try to teach something to someone who is slightly further behind you. And then it just seemed like the natural progression as you've kind of grown this audience, even though some people in, in today's kind of social media standards, the idea of having three or 400 people in your audience, are still a lot of people. To have 300, 400 people on your newsletter is still a lot of people, guys. So yeah. to then be able to transform that and take this audience and build it into <clears> something new, <laughs> excuse me, build into something new. <laughs> it sounds to me like it was such a natural progression for you. Is it, do you think that that would have been the case if you hadn't been in these uh, other communities previously? Do you think you would have just continued to grow this newsletter out into some like behemoth of a newsletter? You know, the type where they, they send you an email every single day, or <laughs> do you think it would have been, this is the only way it could have ever, ever worked for you. Um, it's, it's hard to say because my newsletter became a thing because I was told that I need to be teaching and I was told that I needed to be teaching by Sean McCabe in the Sean West community. So if I wasn't in that community, maybe someone would have told me in another location that I need to be teaching what I know, but it didn't come naturally to me. Uh, to be writing my articles and uh, to be doing my newsletter. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that if I had... So, so it does feel like a natural progression, um, but I don't know I would have done it as soon. I probably would have waited till I was a quote-unquote expert <laughs> uh, in order to think that I have the knowledge that could help somebody. I think... Um, I think that's kind of where I sit as well. The idea of being, as you say, oh, smack the mic, being an expert in anything in, in this age of the internet, there's always someone ahead of you and there's always somebody behind you. And yeah. to be able to be noted as an expert, even experts turn around and go, well, I'm still learning, so what are you doing? So it, 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 it feels very much like that's more of a mental hurdle to get over. The idea of, of teaching something you know, even if it's very small, is more of a mental hurdle that you've overcome very early. As you yeah. say, from Sean West telling you that, from being part of other groups and seeing this type of interaction. So when it came to you setting up your own community, what, what was the drive behind that? What did you want to achieve that was maybe different from the other communities you've been a part of. So Darian runs a, a community called Compass of Design. Do you want to just spend a moment explaining what the, the community is all about and then maybe what you hoped to do when you set it up? Yeah, so before I started that community, I had asked my newsletter, um, well, actually, uh, one, one step before that, I'd mentioned that people had been on the newsletter and were curious about the other people and what their struggles were. 
And <clears throat> so immediately following those questions, uh, my next newsletter had mentioned that I, uh, that I noticed a lot of people are struggling with some of the same issues. Um, and it was a very short and sweet newsletter. I, I told them that I'm thinking about starting a community of people. What would be most valuable to you guys? And so the responses from that was that it's very hard to get good actionable feedback on design. Right. Yeah. I can agree um, with that. <clears throat> Uh, so uh, I'll talk about uh, fee feedback in just a second on that. But for me to start that community, I needed to know what it was going to be mainly focused around and what kind of people would be interested in joining. Um, I didn't have any model or idea on how I wanted to do, do this at all, but I knew that... Um, it was going to be important that we could talk to each other in real time. Um, people had mentioned doing like a forum or a Facebook group, but I feel like that's so disconnected and there are so many of those already that it doesn't make sense to put together a forum. So I was like, how are we still going to get feedback uh, and be able to post our visual works? Well, <clears throat> one of the communities that I was in uh, was using Slack at the time. Uh, which is just a direct messaging platform, uh, allows you to have different sections where people can chat about different topics and stuff. Uh, I don't know if you've used uh, Slack in the past, Connor, but... I've briefly um, used Slack. So it's it's a great way to have... <coughs> it's usually used for teams and productivity and project management mm -hmm. and that type of thing. But I can definitely see how the way Slack breaks down different sections uh, into different chats that being really effective for a community and, and say for feedback and things like that. Yeah. And, and so I put together some ideas on what we could possibly post in. Um, I'm going to try to remember all the channels that I created off the top of my head. So if I miss any, um, you really just got to uh, see it from the inside. Um, I put together a place for us to post works in progress. Now, um, the, the idea behind that is if you're struggling on a specific area, then you post, tell what it is you're looking for feedback on. People can kind of give pointers or point out things that they see could be improved. Um, <clears throat> there's a today I made. So if it's a finished piece and uh, you're not really into posting works in progress or don't have the rights uh, or the because of contracts can't actually show works in progress, if you finish a piece and it's public, you can post it in the today I made. Um, then we have questions. Questions are directly for like, how do I do masking in Photoshop? Someone can answer that question. Um, we have a general chat where we post uh, basically anything. Um, I started a random section too, because the, if you're with a lot of people, there's always a jokester out of the group. There's always someone who's just going to post memes 24-7. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's and usually me, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's got to be a place for uh, people who just want to be random. So I, there's a random <laughs> just section. just want to be random. <laughs> so, so anything that doesn't really pertain to design ends up there. Uh, we share resources. We share our writing. Um, we share job opportunities, either if we're looking for someone to work with us on a project or we see a good job opportunity out there, we post it in, the, in our community and stuff. So <clears throat> that all came from figuring out what people were struggling with on that newsletter and moving that into Slack to where we could have these topics that were most requested. Excellent. So the next kind of question I have about that is that it seems like you've taken the time to really kind of break down the community and actually provide something where a, a place <clears throat> where valuable feedback can be given, valuable questions can be asked and answered. But when it, when it comes to, obviously you said you use Slack for this, which is more of a private tool rather than say a Facebook group. Um, 
So why did you think that having a community in a place like Slack or either or like Sean West does maybe in his own <laughs> own website type hosting situation? Yeah. Why do you think having a community is important um, on your own platform in an age where we can either just Google something or just join a Facebook group? What's the, so, what's the major difference? So uh, a, l- a little bit into where I'm going with uh, Compass, even though we're on Slack now, we are moving to our own platform. Right. Just because uh, we can, uh, Slack has a very particular way of posting and the way they're, technology works um though it it it's like a band-aid to a solution i'm trying to create the cure to yeah. uh, design feedback so we're moving to our own platform eventually and i can talk about that in a little while <clears throat> so the reason why you wanted if you're interested in actually doing a community for yourself the reason why i chose to use slack which is a lot more private um than say uh, joining a Facebook group or like having a public thing like Dribbble is that anybody can see the work. So there's a lot less control over who joins and who sees what what it is you're doing. Um, The idea behind works in progress is that you're, um, a, a lot of us are working on client projects or a lot of us are working on um, stuff for our employers that can't really be posted in the public. Now, uh, I have a very hard time controlling um, who posts what and knowing whether or not something's uh, cleared to share or cleared to uh, uh, show publicly. Um, <clears throat> you probably have a lot more experience with NDAs and contracts and stuff. Connor. One of the things that it, what you're saying does make sense. A lot of the Facebook groups that you can be a part of, um, they either have open doors. So you have everyone flooding in and that's from what you've just described, Darren, it's probably the worst way to get any kind of feedback. It's going to be when you go into these groups, what you'll see often, particularly the ones that are completely open, what you'll see is people with just responding with emojis or one comment answers. You won't really get, you might get, lucky and someone will see it but because so many people spam and posts and put up their fiverr links or say they have a job when they don't and all these types of spammy types of behavior you don't get the the mindset the general mindset that of a group it's kind of just a bit like you're at a marketplace and everyone's just screaming yes yes rather than the kind of confined space of say a boardroom or a meeting room which is what you're trying to achieve with slack So when it comes to NDAs and things like that, one of the things that I've said to Ian at the Logo Geek group before is that it's obviously almost impossible to police what people post. Um, As long as it's not actually spam, he he has like admin control. So when he a post comes in, it comes in as a request, it's vetted and put out by a few different mods um, Mm -hmm. or admins. But the difference between say the facebook group and what you're doing is that yours is very targeted i know like even the groups closed off like the logo geek group is it feels at times like it's still too large like there are so many voices um my my community so when i started the community uh, to the newsletter, I put out an open invite. Anybody who was on the newsletter was already part of the mindset because they were learning dire- directly from me yeah. and learning directly how I work. Um, anybody who was interested in that and learning more about me or the other people that are also there were all part of that same mindset. Um, <clears throat> I, I tend to spend very little time, but I do spend some time in external communities um, which is how I met Connor, uh, or got to know Connor a little bit more, is that we started uh, showing up in the same places. Um, it's like we're bumping started, into each other in the same coffee shop, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, eventually, you start to start a conversation and uh, kind of become friends like we've started to do. So, um, But for for 
for that group, I was like, okay, we've got about 30 people here now. Um, with the 30 that are here at the moment, it still feels like it's a slow paced. So I thought to myself, why don't I put an open invite out to, to anybody? So anybody who knows me in the social aspect is still kind of close to that mindset because they wouldn't follow me if they didn't agree with something I was doing. But I found out that by having that open invite, I was letting in, it, it was very, very difficult to vet uh, people's mindset to make sure that they uh, were along the same lines that I did. And I found that I had to kick a couple of the people out of the community because they were either extremely negative people, would attack people on their uh, actual skill set, and then <clears throat> would either post completely unrelated things or things that weren't theirs. So um, I eventually had to put up a filter. Um, I, I had to figure out how I was going to filter these people coming in. And so I, I put out one last open call, uh, which I don't know if you've seen this, uh, but my community is not a free community anymore. Yeah, I so, have seen. I, I looked on your website <laughs> earlier, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, it, the, the fee is nominal. Um, it's, it's very reasonable priced, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, if you think about like how much some of the other communities can be, which uh, if you're thinking the future, which you and I have both had experiences being on their show, their pro community is $150 a month at, at this time, time of this recording. Sean West community is $99 a month at, at this time. The, <clears throat> the other groups that I'm in are a couple hundred uh, to, to join up with. I, I put together a very reasonable fee. I figure that not everybody's always going to spend time in the community and stuff, but I don't want just anybody who's anybody to jump in and start bringing down the quality of mindset. So I figured if people are willing to invest in themselves to get better and invest to be around a community of like-minded people, that that already um, builds that quality filter in there, that these are people that I want to be around, want to get to know, and want to share with the community as well. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. The idea that it's not mindset over everything, but it's very important. Um, and when it comes to vetting people for this type of group or making sure that they are suitable, so to speak, to be, or, or who they say they are, as you say, people were saying and posting things that weren't even, they didn't even own, which is something that has come up occasionally in some of the groups that I'm in. So if, if they're struggling on private Facebook groups, to then take it one step further and have your own private community, it does ease that a little bit. And it does provide you with a, I'm not, <laughs> not sure how I feel about these terms, but a safer space to be able to mix with the right type of people that you, uh, yeah. are, you, you can almost guarantee that you will be productive with. Um, so if you were to say to, to the average show or someone who might be listening in the audience right now, and they are either a new designer or they've been doing um, their own thing for quite a while. They're on social media, maybe talking to a couple of people, but they're a bit kind of anxious about talking to anyone. They know they have this mindset of, I want to get productive. I want to learn. There are things I can teach. I can do all of the things that Darian and Connor have been talking about for the last half an hour. But what do I do next? What do you think this person should do? Let's say they haven't got any money to put in towards something. What can they do in their small group? Yeah, so um, look for people who are consistently doing things to improve. So uh, part of the reason why I started to find uh, the, the current circle of people that I'm spending my time with is that I was looking for people that may be one or two steps ahead of where I'm trying to be and started to uh, start following them uh, I use Twitter a lot for a lot of my connections with people. It just because with design, it's very easy to find designers uh, 
I, I feel like anybody who's a designer thinks they have a message to share. Uh, yeah. And you definitely hear about it on Twitter. You definitely <laughs> hear about it on Twitter. Whether it's something with a really outrageous GIF attached or just a thread of about 20 different tweets. Yeah. And, and so I, I like to find that in kind of, uh, since Twitter seems to be people's brain dump, that seems to be a very good way for me to figure out how a person thinks. Because it's usually, oh, this is an idea. I need to tweet this. So it kind of gives me a little bit of a window into how these people think. Um, so find people who are a step ahead of you. Try to figure out how they think and whether or not that jives with what you're trying to do or become. And then I would just reach out to these kinds of people. Um, send them a tweet back or start responding to their newsletters. Uh, comment on their YouTube videos and stuff. Eventually, you start to... Uh, by, by interacting with this uh, sort of person, they may start to notice you and start to strike up a conversation that can then help you um, like be able to ask questions and uh, get to be around the kind of people that they're around. Um, I, I've found that a lot of my connections have come from the six degrees of separation uh, which is a huge topic to get into in uh, with um, networking and everything, which uh, the community definitely helps you do. Uh, I know so many designers with so many connections to things just by connecting with people online. So what do you mean when it comes to six degrees of separation? It's a term that I've heard before, but <clears throat> what does it mean in terms of talking to other designers? Is it just outreach? How does... What, what is six degrees of separation? Yeah, so um, pe people can become uh, connected with... Uh, it's hard to... I'm trying to like distill this as uh, quickly as I can. So there's the idea that we are six people, six connections away from knowing the entire globe. Um, I may know uh, I, I may know Connor, who knows um, Ian Paget, who Ian Paget knows uh, maybe another designer, and then who knows the people who work in big Hollywood films. That then, through that chain of connection, I can eventually be introduced into somebody who's uh, looking for a logo designer for a huge uh, cinema project. Yeah, so, um, so kind of saying that through six degrees of separation, we can be making logo designs for The Rock or, or someone like that. <laughs> yeah. One way or another. So uh, through connections like that, you can literally meet people who you may have never thought you'd ever have access to. Um, now, granted, these people along the way, I'm actually building these friendships and, and stuff. I mean, this is how I got introduced to Chris Doe from the future. And uh, by knowing somebody who w was on his show, uh, ended up on his show and, and stuff. And then through that, I'm starting to get to know lots of crazy, awesome people. Cra crazy and awesome people or crazy, awesome people, either way. <laughs> As I said, there are definitely a few crazy people on my list. I know that much. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> obviously not to name names or anything, but when it comes to, uh, obviously six degrees of separation, you don't just have to be reaching out to people who on Twitter, it could be you talk to your, your friends who you know already and go, do you know anyone like this? And then they can put you in touch mm -hmm. with that. It doesn't have to be, you reaching out to obviously someone through Twitter and or someone you know, Darian, to then know Chris Doe and then the future and then it kind of explodes. That yeah. that will happen at some point. But to start off kind of building up even just a small community or finding people with a similar mindset, start small. Maybe maybe pull together a few different people. Um, we all have group chats with our mates. Why don't you pull together a small group chat of creative people? That you know yeah absolutely or or a twitter dm or use the close friends section on instagram stories or something like that that gets the ball rolling yeah uh, absolutely and 
my my goal for my community is to expand this uh not necessarily to like thousands of people like uh logo geek has but to still have it um within like say a couple hundred of people who are all trying to do the same thing your your small group of people doesn't have to blow up like um, my goals do you can still learn a lot from just a small handful of people um I have big aspirations for the things that I want to be doing, but even if your goal isn't to become this huge community leader, uh, you can still learn a lot from uh, getting together with a small group of people. So when it comes to the benefits for you personally, let's, let's move away from, from mindset and business ethic and that type of thing. What type of person were you before you started joining these communities and how do you think it's helped you grow as a person? Because I'm sure a lot of the people who might be listening to this, as I say, they, they might be anxious or nervous about reaching out to people they don't know. I know I used to be like that many years ago. But how did you, how has it changed you as a person? So I love talking to people, but I've always loved talking to people one-on-one. Um, so uh, from, from my job at the bank, it was good because I could talk to the one customer I had in front of me but I was absolutely terrified of meeting new people outside of being obligated from a day job to have to talk to that one person in front of me at at the time. You've got safety, haven't you, between, I don't know, your desk or the fact you work at a place, you work under someone else's name. You're not maybe 100% responsible all of the time, so it's a bit easier. Yeah, I was absolutely terrified of talking to people or even asking questions online because I didn't know these people. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable talking about myself or the things that I struggle with. And so when I finally got to uh, talking to people, I realized I don't really know these people. It really doesn't matter what they have to say. unless I give that meaning behind it. So when I was learning how to figure out people's mindset and stuff, um, growing the community uh, for myself helped me get over that idea that um, people aren't as scary as I make them out to be. That's really true. And by doing that, did you find yourself opening up a bit more in general? maybe telling stories you hadn't done previously, sharing ideas and and being a bit more vulnerable. Yeah. uh, It it helped me to, to kind of get over the fact that, um, that I I was always worried about what people think about me. And though I'm still conscious about the things that I put out about myself, it helped me connect more with people because I realized that, people are people, they struggle with their own things and that there's not much that separates me from them. They could be just as terrified of talking to me. And I figure I can help soften um, their anxiety of talking to new people by starting that conversation first. Yeah. And that, that conversation starter, hello, little one. I can hear you. (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that's my seven month old. He wants yeah. my attention. <laughs> well, we won't keep you too much longer. So when it comes to, as you say, that that first step, that initial step of of breaking the ice. I mean, if you've I'm sure you've done something similar where you, you've been to a networking event or to a conference or something like that, and you always see people dotted around the edges who are a bit nervous, but when when you go and talk to them and they open up a little bit, they kind of just blossom out completely and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah, so why don't we uh, kind of wind down the show here? I think we've really talked a great, a, a really great amount about mindset and understanding why you set up community and how important it is to be able to reach out to people, even if it's just the people right next to you in terms of your relationships, and actually understanding how you can improve. Um, and where you can teach people and learn from other people, because that's how you succeed, and that's how you've come so far in three, in you say three years, Darian. Yeah. It seems like you've done a lot in three years, which I've done a crazy amount. Yeah, exactly. Especially with a with a family and all of those types of responsibilities too. The fact someone like yourself has been able to take on all this responsibility and build something is is incredible. 
Yeah. I've done all of this. I still work a day job too. So yeah. I've done everything I've done on, on top of that. So by leveraging the knowledge and experience of others, it's definitely helped me move myself in this very, very small window of time I have to get things done into uh, being able to get to the experience point that I have now. Uh, talking to people about their struggles, um, starting to learn how to teach, all of that accumulates to the point where that you're shortcutting what could be years or decades of learning curves that you'd have to struggle through on your own. Um, you can learn from other people and learn directly, be able to ask the same amount or the, the questions and figure out what helped these people get over these things. Just you start to shortcut years of experience off of what you would have to necessarily go through by yourself if you never joined up with people. And we're all about shortcuts. We're all about absorbing the information <clears throat> learning quickly, getting yourself moving towards your goal. And that is yeah. one of the hardest things to do, to be able to reach out to other people and ask for help. But when you do, you can do what Darian does and really powerhouse and power through and smash out everything while having a part uh, a day job as well. So thank you very much, Darian, for joining us on this episode of the Fowler Hour today. Would you like to, where, where can people find you? Where do you want to point them? Yeah, so um, it's probably easiest to find me uh, through my social media handle. Um, I'm at Compass of Design on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, I'm also on there. Uh, or you can look me up at Darian Rosebrook, which my name it should be spelled somewhere on wherever this is going to end up. Uh, if you go at Darian Rosebrook or at Compass of Design, you'll find it exactly what we're talking about today. Awesome. And if you really are interested in joining a community, as we said, uh, Compass of Design is an excellent place to start and meet like-minded people. So all of Darian's links and handles are going to be in the show notes of today's show or you, when this episode is released in various forms of content, you'll be able to find him on those details as well. So thank you again for joining us today, Darian. And yeah, I'll speak to you soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.